there, podcast land. Your dial has set itself to combat sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing podcast. We talk about MMA. We talk about boxing. We talk about kickboxing. We talk about Muay Thai. We are talking about everything on the landscape. We have got a banger of a show. They say, Rhino, but there's no fights. How could that be? Well, let me tell you what. When you have a loyal, phenomenal fan base like we do here at the Combat Sports Rhino Show, when you have the Rhino gang coming in with great questions, both on Twitter and calling, you got Drea's drop of the night, you got Drea reading the questions, and then, of all things, I don't want to bury the lead, we have an interview with CEO of Combate Americas, Campbell McLaren, one of the founding fathers, if you will, one of the guys on the ground floor, the genesis of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, Campbell McLaren with a great interview today. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here we are at Combat Sports with Rhino, one of our favorite segments of the show. We have our Twitter call-in questions addressed to us by our phenomenal Twitter question reader, the always amazing Drea. Drea, thank you so much for joining us again today. Uh, let's just dive right in. Who was our first question and who is it from? Our first question comes from Scott Nolan at Scott Nolan 811. Uh, it is regarding Dana's comment that he made uh, about MMA fans and media being wimpy and whatnot. So he says, I don't think his comments were necessarily aimed too hard at small independents who may in fact have a few families to take care of. But I do feel like his comment regarding having families to take care of were blown out of proportion. As mentioned, he's got to worry about several hundred families where, say, Ariel, I'm just using him as an example, really only has to be concerned about his own family. And you strike me as one of the more level-headed independents out there, so just interested in your take. We all have a love-hate relationship with Dana, but he could very easily lay off a bunch of his staff and hasn't done so yet. Yeah, so that's a great take on that? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. I think Dana is absolutely concerned about his employees and his fighters to a point, you know, um, I do think it's more kind of showing off like, Hey, I can do what I want. If you oppose me in any way, you're wrong. I'll still keep finding a way to put on a show. I'll, I'll make, I'll make money for this company. That's my baby. I think he doesn't, he doesn't really believe that all the MMA fans and all the MMA media are weak minded wimps or whatever. Obviously I'm paraphrasing. I don't think he really thinks that. I think he is in a position where he feels like he is being bombarded with um, his his opinion being questioned or called into question. Um, so I really feel like he was just kind of lashing out. The, again, the UFC is his baby. I think he wants to put on shows. I do think he cares about, again, to a point. I don't want to get into the fighter pay or any of that stuff right now. Um, I do think he cares about his employees and his fighters to a point. Um, but I think honestly, his overriding uh, his overriding opinion is really just how do I keep this engine going and how do I keep the money coming in? Because at the end of the day, he's a businessman, and that's what he's I think he is most concerned with. Uh, so yeah, that's my that's my opinion on that one. That's a great question, Scott. Uh, our next one, I believe, comes from MMA by Milliken, correct? Correct. Says, hey, Rhino, my question is, where does Brandon Moreno fit in the flyweight division picture after his two upset victories? 
Brandon Moreno, dude. I've talked about this kid on the show before. I love Brandon Moreno, dude. I love his guts. I love how hard he goes every time. He That kid is never in a boring fight. He brings it every time. He's got some great wins. If you look at his record, dude, you got Juicier Formiga, Kai Car of France, Dustin Ortiz. I mean, what a veteran he is. Louis Smolka, the dude, he's only lost to really good guys like like uh, like Pettis. Uh, Brandon Moreno, absolutely, for being as young as he is and being as young in his career as he is and having the skill set that he has, I absolutely see him being a player in the 125 division. Uh, I'd say within maybe two or three fights, I'd say he might even be champion caliber ready. Now, is that going to be against who? I don't know. But I think this kid could compete with anybody, give him just a little bit more seasoning, maybe two or three more fights. He's got the skill set. He's got the talent. He's got the gumption, which you don't find in everybody, that I think could make him a championship contender at 125. So, yep, that's what I see for Brandon coming up. That's a great question, dude. Uh, our next one comes from at Touch of Gloves podcast. And what do they have for us today, Drea? It's been said that Lennox Lewis could have been a champ in any era of boxing. In your opinion, is there an MMA equivalent of fighter from the past that could be placed into any era in their prime and be a champ? First of all, shout out to you guys for including a boxing question and an MMA question intertwined. Big shout out to that. I love it. Um, yeah, I definitely thought about this question once I saw it at length. The the overriding theme for me was really who in no matter what era of MMA could you just pick out place in and then become a champion for me it's gsp gsp has th the biggest widest range of skill set of any fighter i've ever seen phenomenal on the ground phenomenal on the feet <clears throat> there's nothing about the guy at any era that i'd see him being a, a, another fighter or a, a, an also ran as they call it somebody who's just kind of in the mix no i see him with his talent and his work ethic and his ability to promote himself uh, all being factors to no matter what area you put him in GSP would be a champion. And I think over two different weight classes, dude, I think if he was an 85 er you know what I mean? Which probably he could have done obviously before the end of his career, but early on, he probably could have made 85 and done it. Well, I think he could have been a longtime champion there and at 70. So yeah, for me, it's 100% uh, George St. Pierre, 100% would be my answer to that question. And what a great question it was. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, our, our fourth question, and I believe our final one, comes from our homie Antonio Pineda. And what is uh, what is Antonio's question today, Drea? First off, I want to shout out to Antonio because he is awesome. Uh, my second brother that, Rhino. Second that shout out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he says, my brother Rhino, how are you doing? I hope you are, you and your family are safe. My question is, do you think Habib versus Tony gets postponed? And where are they going to fight if not? In the U.S. or somewhere else? I hope that's a good question. And again, sorry for my bad English. Absolutely not, Antonio. Your English is perfect. That was my... <laughs> so you read my response. <laughs> I had to because I hate that he always... I hate that he always says that because it's so good. Okay. I think Antonio, believe me, first of all, I think Antonio speaks at least three languages, which is two more than I speak fluently. So, Antonio, you are ahead of the curve by a lot. Your English is awesome. You are awesome. What a great question. So, my answer to this, my brother, is I, yes, I do think Tony and Habib will be postponed uh, until they can get the cases of the COVD, <coughs> excuse me. Um, going the other direction i just don't see how that can be pulled off 
in the in the time that it's supposed to, which is four weeks from now. I just don't see it. It's possible, but I really would bet against it. Um, and when they do eventually get it on, which I don't think, I don't think it's going to be too much longer. I'm trying to be optimistic here. I, I don't think this delay or these postponements are going to last forever. Obviously, I do think it will be in a foreign country, and I do think it will be. Uh, without an audience, right? Because I think wherever they go, there's still going to be this uh, virus that can't be passed around. So they want to make it safer. So I think they're going to have an empty stadium wherever they go. I do think it'll be in a foreign country. And I do think it'll be still amazing to see as a fighter fan. We're all just clamoring for it. But yeah, I do see it being postponed for how long, who knows. But I do think it will be uh, placed in a foreign country. And I do think it will be a... Uh, empty stadium so yes Antonio your English is awesome it's so much better than anything else that I can speak uh so yeah dude we really appreciate the question and we appreciate you being a long-standing member of the Rhino gang brother so thank you again for the question so Drea if you were going to answer the touched was it touch of gloves podcast yes the touch of gloves podcast who would you pick for that question? All-time, anytime fighter placed in any era of MMA becoming a champion. Who do you got? I actually really agree with you with GSP. He's, Smart woman. He's absolutely a phenomenal fighter. <laughs> and I feel like he's just been around for so long that, I mean, he was in another era <laughs> ultimately. And he has just fought through, you know. <laughs> multiple um the only other person that really came to mind for me was anderson silva though yeah um he's been around a long time and such a you know versatile fighter that i think he could maybe be a runner-up but i do agree that gsp definitely uh would be that person for sure yeah definitely dude so yeah we're definitely in agreement on that one well these are our uh these are our twitter questions for today so again thank you to all four of you for writing in very very cool drea thank you once again for joining us we are we are all loving this new segment on the show before i let you go real quick we have to get to drea's drop of the night i know there was not again not a ton to choose from but mm -hmm. drea's drop of the night who do we have for it ma'am it's going to come from cage warriors in england and i'm going to go with mason jones that knee that he threw to Joe McColgan was absolutely beautiful. He threw a knee up against the cage. It hit him in the face, dropped him, <laughs> finished him with ground and pound. It was absolutely beautiful. <laughs> that again, there there was no more clear cut decision for Drea's drop of the night than that one. I absolutely concur. So yeah, awesome. So Drea, we are going to have you again next week with a whole new slew of questions. We are so appreciative that you are a part of the show and thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. And I will see you next week. Our first call in question today comes from my homie, Ollie Ra from down Australia way. And Ollie, what do you have for us, sir? G'day Rhino, mate. It's Ollie Ra here. I just got a question about judging. Now, um, damage is the first thing on the, um, on the criteria for judging. So if someone sustains an injury in the fight caused by the other person, for example, a broken nose, the other person fucking punched them square in the face and fucked their nose up piece in blood uh, how much weight does that hold on uh, on the judge's scorecard because uh, let's say the fights the other guy is winning the fight winning the round he's got more volume but not a ton of damage and then the other guy he cracks him perfect square in the face breaks his nose a lot of damage 
but not much output. How do you judge a round like that? Cheers, mate. To me, Ollie, it's always been damage over volume unless it's a, like an egregious number change, right? So if we're talking like 100 to 11, like 100 little tippy taps for 11 pretty solid strikes, that's still going to go to the person with the volume. But if you're talking about like 60 to 23, let's say for argument's sake, and of those 23, the guy has damaged the other guy to the point where he has a broken nose. He's dropped him once or twice. He split his lips open, busted open his fucking eardrum, swelled up his eyes, swelled up his jaw, left huge leg prints from the leg kicks, has swollen him up some way, shape, or form. For me, it's damaged, dude. I think, And I think a lot of judges kind of feel the same way. Uh, it's rare where you see someone get outstruck with like an incredible amount of a disparity between the two. So for me, yeah, I think for me, it's still damage overrides uh, volume, except in like really extreme cases. So I think most judges see it that way as well. So yeah, that's, that's my answer. That's a great question. Thanks so much for answering. Uh, our next question comes from Dave and the combat sports rhino mascot, our little homie Judah. What do you guys have for us today, guys? Hey, Rhino, it's Judah, Tony or Khabib. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm just shouting in to say hi this time. Um, actually, I'm curious to know what you've been up to as we're all stuck inside here. I've been watching some fight pass, <clears throat> doing some design for some fighters and uh, did some design work for uh, Fight League Atlantic this week, which was kind of cool, uh, trying to support local fighters and uh, local fight networks. Uh, that's actually kind of a, a good one. Wondering also um, what what you would suggest uh, for for us as fans to be helping local fighters and local promotions. Talk soon. Stay safe. Stay inside. Judah, my main dude, the combat sports rhino uh, mascot. Uh, buddy, I again, I know that Tony Habib is like the biggest fight for forever. I don't have a prediction for it yet. I mean, I do, but I don't have one that I'm willing to like kind of reveal just yet. So kind of like Christmas morning when you get the packages under the tree and you're looking at them for a day or two and you're like, man, I really want to open those up. Uh, you just got to wait just a little bit longer, bud, and I'll give you my whole breakdown on the Tony and Habib fight and what I think is going to happen. Uh, Dave, to answer your question, what am I doing in this uh, here uh, quarantine, if you will. I'm spending a lot of time with the dog, man. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a big backyard. I take him on long walks out there. Um, I have my shed out the back, which has my heavy bag. So I go out there for a little bit, and hit, but I've been doing a lot of eating. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can, uh, can, uh, can go along with that as well. I've been doing, I'm trying to pretend I'm like fucking Andrew Zimmer and shit. I'm trying to put together different combinations of stuff. My, my homie Cyrus, Cyrus King, he puts out some great food stuff on Twitter, which makes me feel like, Oh, I'll try to make that. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of, um, a lot of cooking, a lot of eating, a lot of uh, a lot of movie watching. I think pretty similar stuff to what a lot of other people are doing. So, <clears throat> yeah. And then the then the second part of your question, Dave, how does one like help local promotions? You just if you're a fan, you just you got to go. You got to support them, dude. If you're if you have a fighter in your hometown who you really like, who's a nice kid, and you want to support them, you know if they've got a T-shirt, buy their T-shirt. If they have a local promotion going on, go to the show. If you have a social media account, you know uh, forward whatever they have put out for when the show is. Cause that's a lot of it, dude, is just getting the word out and getting the word to people, especially on those smaller local shows. So yeah, just do your part to advertise really and show up and you're doing a great, you're doing a great service to those uh, 
small promotions and amateur promotions who are just trying to, you know, get people, get people seen and get the fights, uh, get the fights out there for their friends and family to check out. So, yep, that's how you do that. Once again, thank you, Dave and Judah. You can always check out Dave, who I call the Einstein of graphic design at uh, Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, both on IG and Twitter, and check out his solo shoes. Dude, I've, I've already gone to bottom it like they're so cool. Check out at Solo Shoes for graphic design being put on shoes, custom made, bespoke shoes just for you. So we're moving on to the king of Twitter, my main man, Jim Asun. Jim, what do you have for us today? My Canadian homie. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Quarantine life. Holy shit. Who would have thunk it, eh? But, you know, real happy that you guys are doing these podcasts, you know, get us some content anyways. Much appreciated, trust me. I don't really have a question, man. It's just, you know, wanted to get my voice out there. It's already to be safe. I mean, take this shit serious, man. It's no joke. All right, it's always 420. Peace. Jim Asun, when I think of, like, listening to a wise man, like a wise person who's whose advice I heed, I, I, I stop at my dad first, and then Jim Asun. I mean, there's no way around it. Jim Asun knows what he's talking about. Jim, thank you so much for, A, for calling in, so I know you're doing good. B, for reminding all of us that, look, this is a serious situation. It's something that is probably going to be okay in the end, but we need to play our part. We need to stay inside. We need to follow all the guidelines that are given to us, which we all have access to. So, Jim Asun, thank you for calling in. Thank you for your words of wisdom. I appreciate you to no end, my friend. And you're right. It is always 420. Stay safe out there, sir. All right. Joining us today on Combat Sports with Rhino, we have a fantastic interview. The man who was on the ground floor of building the UFC as we know it, the CEO of Combate Americas, or as he likes to have people say, Combate Americas. <laughs> CEO of Combate America's Camel McLaren. How are you today, sir? Uh, I'm great. And that was a great Combate America. That was really (laughs) something. I I really couldn't have done better. Oh, I certainly appreciate the compliments, sir. Uh, So for those of you who are new listeners to our show, we have a segment called 10 Rounds with Rhino, where when I have a guest, I do 10 rounds, which are 10 separate questions. And our first round, I'm going to go ahead and dive right in, Campbell. Uh, Combate Americas has become an organization in MMA that features what most of us, particularly Americans, would call the, I'm using quotations, smaller weight classes, right? 125, 135, 145 pounders. Do you see it always being that way? Or do you see at some point in the future becoming a more typical what we see in a UFC or a Bellator or a PFL card, which is kind of a mixed bag that also includes the the heavier weight classes, like heavy, light, heavy, and middle? Um, well, it's already changed because Rafa Garcia at 155, I think Rafa's probably the best 155 in the world. Uh, and, and, and we have him, but I think how you got to think how you frame that question. Uh, because, uh, again, I've said this many times, you know, UFC is a form of MMA. What weight classes uh, are one, uh, FC or one, I don't even, I'm not even, I think it's called one. Uh, yeah. What yeah, are they like doing? Right. I mean, they're doing the smaller weight classes. Sure. When, when you ask that question, you formatted the question in a certain way. Are you do you see Combate becoming more like uh, general market American MMA? Correct. That's what that question really. Means, yes, sir, right? I agree. So uh, so um, 
One, I'll come back and say, you know, isn't I, I would think 155 is, to my mind, the most exciting weight class in any organization. Um, American fans, uh, and to an extent, boxing fans, have had appreciation for smaller weight classes, but it's always overshadowed by who's the heavyweight champ. Right. So, you know, and I think if you look at uh, Mexico, and if you look at MMA in Asia, the heavyweight divisions are sparse. They're really important divisions, right? right. I mean, that's why Andy Ruiz was so exciting to so many people uh, uh, north and south of the border for, you know, our, our neighbor. Yeah, right. Kane, Andy Kane, Ruiz Kane, is a yeah. giant boxer. And Kane, right. Kane's, a yeah, Kane Kane, yes, Kane's, Kane's a great example on the MMA side. So, uh, look, we're not avoiding that um, at all. I think that what we have found, because we've gone into, you know, areas that are, you know, that we, we've, we've looked in the Spanish-speaking world, and even if it's the U.S., we've looked in the U.S. Hispanic uh, 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 side of the world. Uh, that there's more people in the smaller weight classes. But we, we're doing 155. We have a few heavyweights. Um, we've got one super heavy. It's just, uh, do we have enough to build out a division at this point? No. Okay. Uh, would we do it? Ah, absolutely. Ah, sure. absolutely. Nothing against it. Very cool. Uh, a very big deal was made with you guys at Combate with the TV network, Access TV. Um, once we are all able to get back to kind of business as usual, what can we expect to see this year on Access from Combate Americas, Campbell? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wish I knew, amigo. We, uh, until a week ago, uh, one week, no, uh, eight days ago, we were still planning to replace our live events, our live venue events, with uh, a live studio show from Televisa Studios in Mexico City. Oh, that's wow. Like a, a, right? That's what we were going to do. Wow. That's a week and a day ago. Yeah. So, obviously, the border was closed. I think we all have to take, I don't know what you guys are seeing in your homes, but I am literally in the epicenter of the American Corona. Uh, situation. New York is obviously the the, 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 the the epicenter with the believe the most cases in the U.S. But I live in a town called Larchmont, which is not near Holland, Michigan, but uh, right. a nice town. Um, and the next town over is New Rochelle, which was the first, you know, uh, on the East Coast outside of Seattle to get the containment zone. So the National Guard is delivering food to people's houses in New Rochelle. It's about a half a mile from where I live. So personally very focused on uh the coronavirus um so we had to take steps right we, yeah. we, we knew we weren't going to be able to do our live venue events the state commissions were closing things down our venues were asking us for what we wanted to do but what they want to do was close so a day and a half ago we were looking at studio shows now i don't know when we can resume we will resume as soon as possible right uh yeah. combat sports whether it's ufc or boxing or combate can start up pretty quickly. We don't interrupt our schedule. We don't, you know, push opening day back. You know, we weren't halfway through uh, a season. So we can start up again immediately, but I don't know what, what the future holds. Right. So it's hard to answer what do we see on, on, on Access. But let, I'll point out the last thing live we did on Access. We had with Access and Univision at midnight, what it is three weeks ago was it 
oh man, the time, this time feels sped up. Our last live show uh, uh, from Mexicali had 600,000 people in the U.S. watching. That's wow. midnight, amigo. Holy smokes. 600,000. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that's an amazing rating. And look, I, the guys at Access are great. They got a great MMA background, great wrestling background. But that's a small network, right? Right. So, it's, and, you know, our ratings are, uh, I, I believe that show might have been their highest rated MMA show in their history. And then when you combine it with Univision's ratings uh, and Teudene, which is about the same size as Access in, in Spanish, Teudene is T-U-D-N, uh, Televisa, Univision, Deportes, which means sports, Deportes Network. So we're on two rather small cable networks with a lot of great MMA fans, both of them. And then we're on, you know, a big broadcast network. And still, you combine that 600,000 people in the U.S. The ratings in Mexico, by the way, on that show were two and a half million people. Wow. So you're really looking at, on that live show in the U.S. and Mexico, our last live show, we did three and a half, 3.1 million viewers at midnight. At midnight! So, that's, so that's, what can yeah, you expect going forward? Look, here's we treat the Axis audience a little bit differently, right? I think the Axis audience, obviously, it's English as opposed to Spanish. So that's the starting point. So Juliana Pena and Max Bredos are speaking in English. So that's the first uh, difference you'll see. Also, in how we treat with the packages we do and, and with what the announcers talk about, uh, I think Axis is an audience that's much more familiar with MMA. Yeah, well, so, all the years with all the years of the LFA and the CES being broadcast on there, I think they really mm-hmm. definitely built in a fan base of MMA watchers on that channel for sure. And 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 folks that may know of us but aren't comfortable watching in Spanish, if they can get access, they're going to go to Access too, right? So it's Access, what Access had, and I, the network believes we're bringing new fans in too, so new to Access, not new to MMA. Right. So we see the Spanish-speaking audiences typically not long-term, long-time MMA fans. And so I think what we get a chance to do on Access is get into a little more more of the technical side uh, to point out the differences in our type of MMA, which we do call much more action, which is right. mass action. And why <laughs> is that? And so I think for Access, we can have a very interesting conversation on about why we think we are much more action. You know, lighter weight classes, more stand-up fighting, more aggressive fighters, younger fighters, no Winkle John camps trying to win on points. Like, there's a lot of stuff we can say and talk about on access, and feel free to disagree. But we can talk about that, and the fans have an understanding of that, right? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> you say, to, in particular in Mexico, you say win on points, and they go, puta. You know, win on yeah. points. They hate that in boxing. You know, right. so they're going to hate that in MMA. No, I totally, so, I totally agree. So what what you will see is a more, uh, I don't want to say sophisticated. It's not the wrong word, but it it implies that my other fans aren't as worthy. Um, um, an, an audience that has had more experience watching MMA, we can have more uh, uh, technical, more history, 
more of why combate is different conversations on a on a deeper level. That's awesome. That actually is a great transition into our next question, Campbell. Uh, your roster has some fighters who are already what we would call stars in your promotion. People who you just talked about some of the numbers of the views and people watching on your last show. Um, who are a couple of people in your organization that you see becoming or having at least the potential to be what we would call mainstream stars in the MMA landscape? Is there a couple of guys or a couple of gals who you see just in the next two, three years, just becoming kind of that crossover star? Is there anybody you have in mind? Um, you know, again, Todd, I, I hate to, and this is not a lecture, but I'm, I'm responding to the question. So, um, I struggle sometimes with uh, MMA journalists because there is a uh, general market UFC Bellator centric view. So when you say crossover, I have 600,000 people watching me now at midnight. Yes. Who am I crossing over to? I mean, who else is doing that? I mean, only the UFC is getting the ratings we're getting. Right. So right. I'm not necessarily looking. I'm looking to grow that, but I'm very happy. Right. Very yes. happy with what we've got. Very happy. There is a lot of evidence, a lot of data, a lot of Nielsen information that says there is a great untapped pool of MMA fans. You know, that's why people can continue to raise money for their organizations because the UFC does not have a, a lock. The UFC is doing great. Right. So right. I think there's a whole world, there's new fans. Uh, there's young people that are graduating to the sport. There's, you know, it, it, yeah. So I would, I don't like the idea of crossover. I got 600,000 people watching at midnight on access and Univision. I, I, you know, we're, we're not, we're good. We're good. But okay. So let me, I let like, me the, I like the <laughs> other part. I like, <laughs> I like the other part. Who, who are the people that you think are the most compelling athletes that we have? Precisely. Two very, Precisely. Ob very obvious examples. Uh, Rafa Garcia, who was on the Mexicali show that set that tremendous ratings record for us. And of our top five graded shows, he's done three. So he's really getting us there. He's got a great and loyal following. I um, I um, compare him to Conor McGregor six years, seven years ago. You see with a, uh, uh, a fighter, and often the same, same thing with musicians too. They get a local following. So when they're fighting, you know, whether it's a club fight or whatever, 100 people show up to see them, right? Next time, right. 120. So they get a they get a local following, and then when we found Rafa in an open tryout and signed him, he started to develop a regional following. So Connor was a big deal on the boxing and MMA circuit in uh, in Dublin eight nine years ago, and then he started to fight for the bigger organizations, and he could pull from outside of Dublin, Belfast, the rest of Ireland. Uh, folks even in England started to know who he was and he would fight in Liverpool and you know, so he became a regional. And then the UFC signed him and and and, and from there I saw his last fight in Dublin, went with Dana and Lorenzo to see that. I mean it was spectacular. And then you knew at that moment he was no longer just Ireland, but he had all of Ireland and every Irish 
Python, whatever, Irish American, Irish, you know, wherever the Irish are, yeah. Australia, wherever they are, they're down for Connor. And I think that's what Rafa's right at that point. Right. So right. Every, he's gone from regional to now this national TV exposure. And I think Rafa, I think Rafa's going to be our Connor. That's what I think. And he's, he's, he is as an intense a fighter as I've ever witnessed in what are we up to now? 27 years of MMA. I was say, you, you've been, seen them all. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's what I'm seeing. Melly Martinez is uh, similar, but I uh, will have to see how she does have an appeal to um, um, non-Spanish speakers uh, because she's, she's quiet in Spanish. <laughs> so, right. you know, uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to have to work, but she's seven and oh, she had that great fight on our pay-per-view with, uh, uh, dirty devs and she's got four knockouts by liver kicks, you know, so she got a Muay Thai background. Um, she's a brilliant kid has an engineering degree from UNAM. Uh, which is the biggest university, I think, in the Americas, uh, Mexico City. He's a smart kid. Taekwondo, uh, uh, defensive ground skills, not offensive ground skills, uh, but his is a bit of an assassin. Now. She said she's fantastic and always fun to always fun to watch fights. So I think Rafa and Melly. And then I would throw in, we got a couple, uh, La Loba, uh, Lucera Seda, who's you know, known as La Loba, has become our internet sensation. Someone was comparing her to Kimbo Slice. And, I mean, she's only had a, only had a couple fights, friends, and she lost the last one. But she's a very pretty woman. It, it, maybe she, the comparison to her is Paige Van Zandt. Oh, okay. Uh, but, she's, but she's very buxom. Um, so she's not this kind of skinny, pretty blonde. She's a very curvy, dark Latina. Uh, which works for a lot of people. And if, if when you if Google La Loba or go on Instagram and find yeah, La sure Loba, it's, it's, it's the she-wolf, right? The lady wolf. Um, and she, like, she lost her last fight, and then that was at the Mexicali event. And then she was mobbed by the fans. And everything she does on Instagram blows up. Everything she does on YouTube blows up. And so I thought, okay, I got a very attractive woman that's got a great personality. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to fight. And um, so, you know, I asked an expert, Juliana Pena, I said, you got to tell me, you know, as we're building this young woman who's an impressive woman has overcome a lot of tough circumstances. What are her athletic abilities? And Juliana goes, this woman is a gifted athlete. Um, Her ground game is, is getting better every day. She's very powerful, and she ain't scared of nobody. And, uh, you know, what our plans were to have uh, uh, La Loba go and live with uh, Juliana Pena up in Chicago and get in JP's camp. Oh, okay. And, like you know, have JP work with. Sorts, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say, and then uh, we have uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. I, one might say a gimmick. I'm not going to say a gimmick. And, and they'll say, the, the wrestler turned MMA fighter. Right. Um, you know, you've got that great, whatever, Brock Lesnar, CM Punk went somewhere in between the two, right? <laughs> right. She's got a huge, she's got a huge following. She's a tough girl. She's very athletic. Can she quickly come up to speed in MMA? 
but she's got followers, you know, like her fights on our YouTube channel are doing a two, three million views. Um, super popular in Mexico, very well known with the uh, uh, Lucha crowd in the U.S. So, you know, Rafa and, 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 and Melly, those are the two stars. And they really have a chance to be superstars. And, and Liloba, get her trained by JP. And then I've got the, you know, I, I, I've got a fantastic person with, as you would say, crossover ability, star power, and so on. Um, and, and so that's what we're up to. Fantastic. Uh, we have, we have, look, we have, I believe, I, I don't want to slight anyone else. Those are, but the, the fighters take a while to, uh, uh, you know, blossom. Right? Of course. There's a real process to this. Of course there is. And I, I think what we're looking at in our roster, because we've looked to sign people before they were on anyone else's radar, before they're on the UFC's radar. Um, and so we're getting them younger at a point, and you have to be very discerning. And, and, and it's a little different talent scouting, right? It's even yeah. easier for the UFC to go, oh, that guy's 8 no in Kabate. We should get him. Right? We're getting him when he's 2-0. and and giving him his next six fights, right? So we're signing what I believe is going to be the future of the 125, the 135, the 145, and the 155 division. We've got them under contract now. That's what we have. We have the next three years. Three years from now, our guys will be the best in the world. That's what we have. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds perfect to me, Campbell. Um, we are spending a lot of time inside these days, obviously, particularly in the region that you are living. Can you tell our listeners, like, what are some of the things you're going to take up the time? I'm, we're working, amigo. Uh, I did cook a turkey yesterday. How'd you do that? And that was great. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, you know, turkeys are easy for a, 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 a you know, an unaccomplished cook like me. They're very forgiving. <laughs> Got great visual appeal. That's true. You know, and they usually only come out of the oven at Thanksgiving. So, if you, you, you know, you do one in March, you're, you're, you know, you're making a statement. So that, that, uh, that took a couple hours. That's awesome. Um, no, no, look, we had, you know, we had a very big event schedule this year. We had 35 events. Right. You know, the company's got uh, 70, 80 people working for us. We were looking to roll out events in. Uh, we had Puerto Rico, uh, Lima, Peru, um, obviously a lot in Mexico, obviously a lot in the U.S. Uh, we were looking at maybe even going to Colombia this year. So we are trying to figure out how do we come out of this um, <clears throat> intact? What do we do with our fighters? You know, what do we do with uh, all the plans? You know, we have we have a number of television deals that I've put in place, uh, not announced yet, but, you know, we're contracted and signed, uh, in addition to our live event shows that we're going to go into production in a month. So um, we are planning for, you know, what will happen as best we can. Right. We are planning to come back in a... You know, we've had we have some very aggressive things we were looking to do this year. We're probably not going to get to those. So what do we do? Um, we continue to talk to our fans on social media. We're putting out a lot of content right now. Obviously, not live event like content. So we're actually staying, you know, pretty busy. So other than the Saturday turkey, um, I mean, you know, and I got back from Mexico City about a week ago. 
so I was down there, uh, you know, working on, we, you, you know, we were planning to have an event, uh, yeah. in Mexico. So in Mexico city. So, you know, we've actually been full speed ahead on our event calendar until about a week ago. And now we are trying to plan as best we can for the future and, and what the future looks like when uh, live events resume. That sounds good to me. Are there any rules in modern day MMA that you would really like to see changed? You've been in a sense, essentially the genesis of what we know as modern day MMA. Are there any current rule sets or, or, or restrictions that you just find to be silly and, and non-essential and that you'd like to see go away? <laughs> Uh, look, uh, you're making me, you're giving me flashbacks to the early days. Uh, questions like that usually led to John McCain trying to put me in jail. So, uh, <laughs> I assure you I'm doing no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me, uh, in all seriousness, I think there's a lot of rules we could talk about. Right. And I think like, for instance, when we go to our tournament for Copa, uh, we take elbows out, right. Because right. you got to fight three fights in one night. I mean, it's a common sense. That's sure. that's good. That's good. I'm not advocating one way or the other. But then that brings up the question: Should we have elbows other days? Right. So there's 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 questions, and everybody could talk about it. And there'd be different points of view. It would include the commission, the fighters, you know, maybe doctors. You know, so there's there's just we should talk about that, right? We should make the sport as safe as we can and still exciting. We should. That's a, it's our moral duty to do that. Right. Um, now, I will say, I will say, weight cutting needs to seriously be addressed. I think when you look at, when you look at the situation right now, imagine a fighter going into an event, either mine or the UFC's, three weeks ago. Could have been COVID positive, right? Just say. Right. right. And then you're going to force them to go through that weight cut, which which kills your immune system. Imagine that had happened. And Eric. I think this is a this is a good time to go. What else can we do? The weight classes are like this for two reasons. They come from boxing. And they were done at a time in the sports history where the sport was trying to show it was legit. And that, so that's a PR reasoning. That's a marketing reason. We go along because it's boxing does it and we want to be legit. Right. So, uh, you know, and I think it's time to rethink it. I think that catch weights make a certain amount of sense. I think weight ranges make a certain amount of sense. And I think, um, Fighters, managers, promoters, commissions. Like what California has done now, if you miss weight, I think twice, I forget what the number is, and you gotta go up a weight class. Right. I believe it's I believe it's two or three times, yeah. That's what that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Sure. Because I know what guys girls are doing. Girls it's a little bit but guys wanna be as small as possible so that their muscle mass and bone and their structure is as powerful as possible when they resume the weight, right? And, you know, people gain 20 pounds sometimes after the weight. Sure do. So I don't know about the rules. I open to, open to any informed opinion on the rules. 
that makes it safer and exciting uh, for the fans, safer for the athletes, open to anything. Um, in terms of the, you know, weight cuts, uh, you know, these days I follow what the commissions say. Uh, but I think the industry probably needs to look at this and, and develop something that's safer and better for the athletes. Everybody who knows you, who has seen you, who has seen an interview with you or on TV, you're a very animated, uh, high energy guy. The the we're all annoyed, or most of us have different reactions to kind of being cooped up in the quarantine. Of course, we understand why. But just for someone as high energy as you, is this is this turning into something where you're kind of <laughs> crawling up the walls? Are you pulling your hair out? What's what's going on? How are you reacting to it? Well. Uh... <laughs> Look, I do want to, I, I, giving up, I, I've given up swearing for Lent and I'm going to roll it into the rest of the year. <laughs> I have so. Have you, have you heard me swear on this interview? I, I, you know what? We're 25 minutes in. I don't think I have, which might be definitely a record between the two so, of us. So I've done that. So I have done that. So people can change. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that look, that's a great question. That's a great human question. It's a great question for you know, pretty much the entire world. Um, I have the great uh, luxury or, or I'm blessed to live in a house, not an apartment. Right. I live in the suburbs. As I talk to you now, I am pacing a course through the downstairs. <laughs> I go from one end of the house to the other and back. And that's pretty much what I do. Yeah. Um, I am on the phone nearly continually or answering emails and, you know, wanting to make sure the company's in great shape and, and ready to roll, but it's ready to roll. So that does keep me busy. That, you know, I got my wife and my 18-year-old with me. My wife has not been out of the house in 16 days. You can imagine how excited she was when I returned from Mexico City through JFK. And, you know, <laughs> <she's been born. laughs> You're lucky you didn't get quarantined uh, into one small section. Yeah, the garage. The garage, right. I think that's what people were thinking. <laughs> so, look, you got to stay positive. You got to do the right things. We got to think about each other. That's what I'm up to. We're not hoarding toilet paper. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, but, you know, we're not socializing. Um, you know, we're taking this very seriously. Um, <laughs> I think it's a bunch of baby boomers that are going like, Wait a minute. I'm in what risk group? Wait a minute. I'm that old. You know. Right. So, so that's part of it. Also, look, I live a quarter mile from the, uh, the hot zone. You know, New Rochelle, the next town over, literally has the National Guard out there taking the last uh, uh, 50 feet of the deliveries and just maintaining order out there. So I'm really close to it. So I don't have to. Uh, my mind doesn't have to go far to realize why we're doing this. So right. that helps a lot. This is serious. This is real. Stay home. We'll get through it. Yes, I'm pacing around. Yeah. I'm trying to cut back. <laughs> trying to cut back on the coffee. <laughs> I certainly appreciate your candor with that one. Um, yeah, just for uh, for literally, I like I said, I do ten rounds with Rhino. Uh, but again, sometimes in your answer of one, you <laughs> yeah. answer two or three. But we're on the air for thirty five minutes. You told me ten minutes. I told you, and I told you, no, I can't do short answers. I know, but this, this is the reason I'm saying yeah, that. So is, give me a close. What's your best closing? Question? Yeah, this is that's what I'm getting to. You, know, listen, you guys are right good now. at this. You are good at this. More people should be listening. Uh, uh, I, I think you're going to get get somewhere because your line of questioning is you're knowledgeable enough, but you're not a jerk. 
Notice how I said jerk rather than I could have used like other words, right? Yes, since I'm giving up. You have a very large repertoire, I know, yes. of swear words. And I was like, yes, I maybe, you know what? Maybe I'm converted to believing that you have really been able to give up Lent for the swearing for Lent. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to roll into the rest of the year. So you're knowledgeable. <laughs> your questions are great. You have a good understanding of our business, and I know you love our sport. 100%. Always have and 100% always will. Uh, so, yes, this is one. This is what I have asked question 10, but it's going to be our wrap up question. And this is always the one, Campbell, that when I have a guest on, this is kind of the out of the box one. This is the kind of the one that is the most fun for people to answer normally. So um, you might shoot me down and say it sucked. Oh, but... I thought it's when you're going for the knockout in the 10th round. <laughs> right. You want to end with uh, boom. Precisely. I OK, so. Right. For our final question, Campbell, we usually go out of the box, like I said, on this one. You, at this point, in the, at some point in your life, you will become the leader of your own country, McLarenka. So you are the master supreme ruler of McLarenka. You need a four-man security team that goes with you everywhere. Your personal version of the Secret Service. You're picking any four fighters you've ever worked with or has worked for you, and you're picking those four guys to be your interior ministry of defense. Four guys that have worked for you or worked under you. I've picked four that I think would be the ones I would pick for you, but I would like to hear your four and then I'll compare and contrast with my list, sir. Ah. Oh, what a great time. This is a fantastic question, amigo. So, uh, and I got, you know, when you say to me, you know, it's out of the box, I have trouble thinking in the box, by the way. <laughs> it's like, it's, you would be both. Challenging. A challenging, exactly, a challenging question is one where you go, uh, answer in what other people would say in a similar way. You know, that's what I had trouble with. Look, that's a great question. Uh, it reminds me of a great anecdote. So we were uh, UFC Detroit. What is that? That's eight, nine, thereabouts, right? Yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Kobo Arena, the government's trying to shut us down. Detroit is in. Yeah, it's worse now, but it was pretty bad back then. And the ATMs were kind of few and far between. And I needed some cash money, some walking around money. And there was an ATM like three blocks from the hotel that the fighter where we were all staying. And um, um, then someone came back and said, it's three blocks, but it's like, you know, burned out lot, you know, and like just a machine in a wall. And it's like really sketchy area. I still wanted to go, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot of ATMs. It was whatever it is, 25 years ago, 23 years ago. So who was there? It was Ken Shamrock was one. I, I forget who was there. It was like all the fighters. I go, guys, do me a favor. Would you like walk me over to the ATM? <laughs> <laughs> and Shamrock goes, he goes, what am I going to do when someone shoots you? What am I going to do? <laughs> He goes, well, I'm going to wrestle the guy. The guy's got a gun. He goes, you figure something else out. And, um, and, and you know, and that, and that was like, that was a great thing for him to say because uh, he's not Superman. He's a tough guy. And if someone had a knife or maybe a bat, he'd probably be fine. But against the gun, I don't know what you can do. But here's, here's my answer to the four people that would walk me around. Listen, I sometimes make my board of directors crazy. They have very extensive insurance covering me when I go to Mexico. <laughs> when I'm in Mexico, I go out in the crowd. I walk around without a security guard. I don't speak much Spanish, but I go out and I see the people. And if I was in my country, which would be Campbell, 
country. <laughs> Campbell's the bigger Scottish clan. It's my mother's side of the family. They're much yeah, more prominent yeah. in Scotland, much more warlike. Not exactly right. friends of uh, uh, the McGregor's. Right. Um, anyway, so, but I would go, I would want to be, if I were heading up the country, I want to be able to go and walk around without security because I want to talk to people. I want to, not with coronavirus, I want to shake people's hands. I want to hear what they have to say. I don't want a buffer. I don't want to be in a position where people need to come between me and my fans. And that's how I see Combate. And that's really important to me. I, you know, I've given out my cell number, my actual cell number, not a burner phone, my cell number on the air. If, if yeah. you see the old shows, call me. This is the phone you're calling on. I like to hear from people. I like to know what they're thinking. I like them to tell me, good or bad, what they're thinking. And I think in politics, in business, certainly in anything with fans, you need to hear from people. I mean, I think the biggest problems, look, Donald Trump has figured out a great way to talk to people directly. He doesn't like the media. He uses Twitter. I, I think that's great. It's the first time I feel like I'm hearing directly from the president. I don't need interpreters, analysts, or anyone tell me what the president is thinking. The problem is he doesn't follow other people on Twitter. So he's got the great one-way communication. You need to be able to hear from people for that to be valuable. And, that, and that's what I would do. I like to walk around by myself. I look. I, I know a lot of great fighters, but I'll tell you, I don't want someone between me and the group of people I'm talking to. I, w- I want to be the front line. We had, we've had two incidents at Combate that were whatever you want to call them. They weren't riots, but they certainly were scuffles. And one was uh, uh, Nate Diaz and his Stockton you know, gang of knuckleheads. Uh, at our Sacramento event, and they rampage. They chased a. Uh, oh, they? they chased another fighter's name. I'm blanking on a UFC fighter, um, and they, they. They. I had my kids there. They tore past them. It turned into look. You know what I did? I got <laughs> up on a table and sang "God Bless America," pointing out I was going to keep singing until everybody settled down. So that's how I handled that other scuffle. We had a scuffle in Ventura uh, when Froggy Estrada fought for us, and it was a great fight, and uh, it's amazing. And Froggy, 99% of the audience was his family because that's how Hispanics roll. You go with your guys. You go with your family, your abuela, the granny. You go with everybody. Froggy lost. Everybody was crying, and then everybody got mad, and then everybody started fighting. And I went into the crowd with my little suit on, my little tie, <laughs> my little my white hair. And I went in there and I was like hunting everybody down and they started to settle down. And then the police came in with the dogs. And you know what happened? The dog huh. comes running over and bites me. Jesus crying me. <laughs> and I go, and, you know, I was going like, that's your plan? Like if your dog <laughs> is trained to find the 60-year-old white-haired guy in a suit and bite him. I go, that, you guys, you have really got the canine training down. So, so. <laughs> I'm willing to go out, put myself in danger to talk to the people. I don't need bodyguards. I don't need that. That's not how I roll. You can I'm, talk I'm, to me. You can call me. You can email right. me. 
I with you and I have had many conversations just literally just on the phone in the last year since I interviewed you the first time. I can totally verify that is true. I just just for hypothetical sake, here's I'm going to tell you who I tell have, me who you think, and then yeah, you tell me can who you think I should or agree with. This is what I got. Okay, your four man <laughs> interior of security team consists of Emmanuel Yarbrough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. So that's he's he's the ace number one, six foot eight, five hundred, whatever. Okay. Uh on your on your on your one flank, uh Tank Abbott is on one side of you. You got you already mentioned it, Ken, the world's most dangerous man, Shamrock, is on your right. And then backside, watching your back, back, eyes in the back of the head, Peter Ortiz. These are your this is yeah. your four man team <laughs> that I picked. Emmanuel Yarbrough on the front. Hank Abbott, Ken Shamrock on your sides, Tito Ortiz watching your back. That's who I picked. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a great crew. Uh, it makes Manny makes me laugh, and you know I think about him, and he's uh, no longer with us, and he's right. he a real gentle giant. Uh, I think I, I I want a fifth guy. I want Hoist in there because um, the, the the Tank and uh, Tito and Ken my security detail are going to end up fighting each other. <laughs> but see, you're making them so much money with that position, Campbell. They would not yeah. dare overstep. No, no. The world's most dangerous man. <laughs> and, you know, what the tank uh, bar can do. And, uh, you know, the Huntington Beach bad boy. Money doesn't matter to those guys. They're gonna, there's going to be a fight. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I, I did not give up swearing for Lent, Campbell, so I fucking love it. Talking to you is always a pleasure. Thank you again so much for joining us today on Combat Sports with Rhino. Uh, we really look forward to, again, resuming business as usual once things, you know, God willing, things get back to yeah, please. what, we, what please. we called normal life before this all hit and uh, we really look forward to seeing and for those of you my mma fans out there who have not checked it out kabate americas as he said it is super exciting there is so much talent it's a talent rich pool of fighters they bring the production value is very high can i do a plug the percent, 100%, 100%, 100% do a plug Look, 100%. we are we are on the air now Right. So right. we just did our uh, what we're doing is we are revoicing. We're having the announcers go back in and call fights from our best shows and sometimes airing our, our you know, just the whole show. And Max Bredos is doing it on uh, um, Access and Andres Bermudez is doing it on Univision. So uh, the first time we did this last Friday, we uh, we had 300,000 people watching at midnight, a replay show. So if you're looking for uh, uh, MMA content, that's great. And most general market, non-Spanish speaking viewers haven't seen it. Univision at midnight on Fridays uh, and the access at 10 o'clock Eastern times on Fridays. So you'll, you, you can quickly catch up with Combate every Friday. That's how we're going to roll. Um, so great stuff. And I think uh, a lot of non-Spanish speaking viewers or people that don't watch Univision, it's all going to be new to you. And listen, it's only a rerun if you've seen it before. That's so, true. You know, you know, go on and see this <laughs> stuff for the first time. No, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, this would be a great time for people to get And if I may, something. here's my cell number. You're bored? Call me up. We'll talk about MMA. To all your listeners, it's 917 917- 
406-2607. There's not a burner phone. Typically, I text back because it's more efficient than calling everybody back, but I do respond. So that's my number, and that's why I don't need Manny, Tito, Ken. <laughs> or Tank. Manny, yeah. Or Tank, y'all. Tank. You know what, actually? Just leave Tank off. <laughs> well, Manny does take up for probably two guys, so that's fair <laughs> enough. Uh, once again, Campbell, what an absolute honor and pleasure it was to have you on, my friend. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, – Oh, look, I, I, look, that's what I want to read the Kombate. That was the UFC version. Here's the Kombate version. Here's oh, okay. who I want. Okay. I want Rafa and Melly. I want Mike Beltran, the referee with the yes. incredible mustache, the, yes. the Marine. You know, I want Beltran. And I want Mike Aframowitz, who you should talk to at some time, known as Afro Mike, started Strike Force with Scott Coker. Uh, started Invicta with Shannon Knapp, uh, started the World Series of Fight, which is a precursor to the PFL. And because right. that guy, that guy studies Muay Thai, and I know he'd take a bullet for me, and that's actually my Kobate team. Mike Beltran, Rafa Garcia, Super Melly, they're kicked in the liver. Uh, in my <laughs> that sounds like a great squad too man uh campbell again dude thank you so much for having you on and we'd love to check back in with you in a few months if that's all right with you please do i mean what can you say about having a, a conversation with campbell mclaren guys he is so funny he's so cool he is so engaging to talk to you can't ask for a much better interview than the likes of him um so now we are careening to the end of our show, which we love to say every week. So I have my shout-outs to give. Shout-out to the Rhino Gang, Hash Brown Rhino Gang, uh, for the call-ins and for the people who ask questions, Dave Fretz, Jim Assoon, Mixta, Sirius, Ken, Gator, Marquise, Mr. B, Scott, thank you for that question, buddy. Antonio, you too. Uh, Shane Tara, the homie Ollie, thank you for the call-in, sir. Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. Mike and Carlos from WoTV, Rory from Threadhead. Thank you, gentlemen, for all being a part of the show, uh, being friends, being fans, being whatever you want to call it. I really, really appreciate you. To the ladies, obviously, Drea, my co-host with the Mohost, my Twitter question reader, G from WoTV, Courtney and Scottish Blaze, Pokemama, Pixie, Ashley the MMA Nerd, Deja, Pulse Pulse, Mini Sonnen, Lanta Brown, Chelsea and Delilah from the amazing TKO podcast, Laura Purple Pants in your triumphant return to the timeline. Glad to have you back. And of course, to Drea and D Reigns, my engineer. We're doing the show remotely today. So this is kind of a new venture for us. And I think we pulled it off fantastic. I think it's going to sound great. I'm so, so thankful. So, so thankful. Yep. So, so thankful for everybody listening in. Thank you, guys. We will continue to bring you content each and every week. We now know that we can do it this way, so that's an amazing piece of information. So, yeah, again, everybody stay inside if you can. Stay safe. Be cool to one another. Be kind on social media and to your friends and family when you talk to them. We are all in this together. I love, love, love you guys. Stay safe, and we will see you next week, Cage Side.